0: Blue Liar. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined by a very special guest today to preview week one. We will be previewing every game this entire season, just like we did last season. But this guest is somebody that has not appeared on the podcast before. We've got Ron Cobb Jr. On the podcast, the lead analyst from Arrowhead Pride to break down Browns Chiefs. Ron, how you doing ahead of week one of the
1: NFL season? Whew, man. I cannot wait. Uh, I cannot wait for full stadiums. Cannot wait for a full arrowhead. I'll actually be there. One of the few games I'll be able to make it to this year. So I'm excited, man. Real football is back. Let's get into it. It's exciting. That's for sure.
0: I, I love the offseason. I love the preseason going through all the, you know, the storylines, but I was just saying to my roommate, today man i can't wait to be back on that couch sunday locked in for you know a good 10 <laughs> hours it's a it's a whole different ball game so that'll be a welcome feeling but before we get to that i want to take a quick second and rewind because although it was not the last game the chiefs played the last game the browns played was against the chiefs 22 to 17 loss of course in that thriller of a game where the chiefs went up patrick mahomes went out and then they were able to hang on At the end with Chad Henney now I think for Browns fans uh that that game was one where there was certainly some regret in the end I think both uh in terms of how they played in the first half uh, on the defensive side of the football I think there was also uh you know some there, there was definitely some anger about the uh the Rashard Higgins play uh, at the goal line as well as that a potential uh, a momentum changing play and then ultimately again I would say a a feeling of regret at the end of the game not being able to get the ball back you know when Chad Henney was obviously leading things for the Chiefs so I think Browns fans were you know uh, optimistic I think uh, uh, about you know how that game went and ultimately having a chance there at the end but as a Chiefs, you know, insider or someone covering the team, how do you think the Chiefs fans viewed that game from last season? Were they worried about it at the end? Do you think they had kind of the utmost confidence all the way through? Give me a, a sense of how the fans felt about that game.
1: Oh man, I mean, how how can you feel super confident when you're, you know, your starting quarterback, the the guy that's that's really just made you who you are right now um, as a team, as a championship contender, goes out, especially the way he went out. I think every, there was a dark cloud over the second half of that game. I think a lot of people weren't even really even worried necessarily about the game. Obviously, a playoff game, you know, you're you're you know, you want to win it and everything. But it was just a weird feeling watching, you know, a a backup quarterback, uh, you know, uh, play in a playoff game and still lead the team to victory. So it was kind of a bittersweet thing. I don't know, because I I don't think a lot of us thought or were very confident that uh, Mahomes would be ready for the AFC championship the week following. And so there was just this weird feeling with that win. Ah, uh, but it was it was fun to see Henny uh, pull that out. Uh, you know, uh, win it at the end. He scrambles for 14 yards or whatever on third and 14, and then Andy has the the balls to to run that fourth down play when it looked like they weren't going to run a play. It, it was a, it was a fun ending for sure. Just this weird kind of this weird feeling, not seeing Mahomes in there and, and not knowing what's going to happen with him. So it's kind of a game you I think as Chiefs fans we've kind of almost forgotten about it a little bit. I don't want to say forgotten, but just. It's kind of it was just such a weird ending without Mahomes in there. I think a lot of us just uh, kind of moved on from it or just didn't don't think of it as like one of these tremendous playoff wins uh, like the other games, maybe in the Mahomes era. So it was a weird game for sure. It was a very weird win in that respect. That makes sense. I think, you know, it, it's one of those things where they obviously came out
0: and things, you know, went very well for the Chiefs early on. But then Henny was kind of a disaster at points, really really throwing the ball up to, you know, for an interception and all of that. So I, I could see how that that game could kind of uh, the actual proceedings of the game could be lost based on kind of what was happening off the field in terms of, of worrying about Mahomes. But you know, obviously the Chiefs were able to not only advance past the Browns, but then past the Bills before falling to the Bucks in the Super Bowl. And it's no secret the offensive line was a challenge in that Super Bowl. And that's pretty much all that the talk has been about as far as the Chiefs this offseason, about how they've gone and addressed that offensive line, right? They they picked up Orlando Brown Jr. as part of a, you know, a trade with the Ravens. There, there's been some draft picks, some other free agent signings. That's been the key off season storyline in your estimation. Is that, you know, the, the worth all of the attention it's received number one. And is there anything else about the chiefs off season that maybe has been overlooked by the mainstream media as far as potential additions or subtractions headed into the season?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I do think the offensive line additions, the improvement is definitely not, it shouldn't be undersold. I think, when you saw this team, even the, before the Super Bowl, I think the offensive line throughout the season, uh, you know, just so many injuries happened. LDTs, our, our starting right guard, opts out for the season before the season even begins. The offensive line was just kind of a mess the entire year. You have your bookend tackles and Fisher and Schwartz, but you lose Schwartz week five. Fisher, obviously, in the AFC Championship. But I just the fact that they did get two stalwarts in, in terms of Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney, guys that you can rely on on the left side, that's huge. And I and I know the rookies are the guys starting on the right side uh, and, and at center too. Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith and Lucas Niang. When you hear three rookies starting on your offensive line, obviously, as a, as a general fan, it's like, oh, I, I don't know how I don't know how I feel about that, uh, especially, you know, Trey Smith at, on, on the surface level is a sixth round pick. And so you're thinking, oh, wow, they're they're kind of just throwing guys out there. But. They've earned those jobs over, so over some legitimate players. I mean, Creed Humphrey beat out Austin Blythe, who's been a starter in this league before uh, you know, at, for the Rams. Trey Smith beat out LDT, who I just mentioned was, has been the chief starting right guard uh, in the long term uh, for a few years now, for a handful of years. And Niang, uh, the right tackle, he beat out Mike Remmers, who actually did have some back injuries in training camp that kind of allowed Niang to get the opportunity. Remmers actually was the original starting right tackle, but it kind of seemed like Niang was always going to win it. He's, he's, a, he's looked pretty good in the preseason so far. So the, around here, we don't really look at them as just like any other rookie, I, I would say. And, and Niang, I should mention, is not technically – well, he is technically a rookie, but he opted out of the 2020 season. So he was drafted actually in the 2020 draft in the third round. So, yeah, I, I think – but it should not be undersold how much improved the offensive line should be this year – when you talk about a guy like Austin Ryder, who was the chief starting uh, center last year, man, he hasn't even been signed yet. And and that's, you know, that's a guy that I think a lot of players thought or, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, yeah, I know he's the chief starting center. He'll, you know, he'll get a good contract elsewhere or, you know, and back up in Kansas City. But that kind of shows you that's just one example. It kind of shows you how bad the offensive line was at times last year and and Mahomes covers it up a lot too I think Mahomes play style and everything he covers up deficiencies in the offensive line so it's not as glaring as it could be but I really think the offensive line has improved enough to where it might be the best offensive line in the Mahomes era and and right now we're, we're feeling good about that but hey it, it is three rookies we've only seen them in the preseason and, and going into week one, you know, I know we're not there yet, but just saying, I, you know, it's going to be a tough test for them. And, and that's one thing we're all kind of looking forward to see how they do against real competition, especially guys like the, the Cleveland has on that side of the ball.
0: Well, let's go there now. You you brought it up. There's the three rookies, the, the two veterans, but new guys uh, as far as coming to the Chiefs right in Tooney and Brown, So. The Chiefs made a, a decision that not a lot of teams, I would say, are making these days, which was to play a lot of their guys in the, in the preseason. They, they 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 went out there, they got some reps, but you're talking about an entirely new offensive line, a position where chemistry, we all know, is essential in order for the line to function properly. So, what are your expectations for that line going into Week One? Because the Browns' D line, you know, everybody expects to be, you know, a, a pretty forceful unit. And they, it, it's going to ask a lot of these guys in their very first game, you know, to go up against the Browns. I would think.
1: Oh, absolutely! It's going to be a very worthwhile challenge. It's going to be a challenge that is going to really, you know, it's going to show a lot about the, these new offensive linemen. I mean, I'll start at right tackle with Niang. I, I know Miles Garrett kind of moves on both sides of the ball. He's, you know, he's over the left tackle and the right tackle at times. But it, it, if they, if the Browns are smart, I think they should kind of keep him over the right tackle as much as possible. Uh, Niang's first NFL experience is going to be against a guy that, in my opinion, should probably be, you know, the favorite free defensive player of the year if you're talking besides maybe Aaron Donald. But Garrett is going to give him problems. And I think that's why you're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, the Chiefs use their, their second tight end, Blake Bell, on that side to kind of help chip. So Niang's just not on an island with Garrett. And what that does is that takes away, uh, you know, a receiver from the offense from Mahomes to throw to if Bell is just standing in there chipping all the time and and not really, you know, uh, using utilizing him as a receiver. So that's the one thing I'm really, uh, you know, concerned about, I guess, as a, as a Chiefs cover or Chiefs fan is, yeah, that, that right side with Niang going against Miles Garrett. But even like a Trey Smith going against guys like, that you guys have, like a Malik Jackson or Andrew Billings, some big dudes. But even the depth you guys have too, Jordan Elliott and Malik McDowell. I know McDowell's, uh, you know, kind of had a bounce back little offseason with you guys. He's looked pretty good in the preseason. Trey Smith is a is kind of a highlight reel blocker. It seems like in terms of like, and he, if he gets his hands on you and, and he drives you and and, and he's going to look good sometimes. Just you know, maybe pancaking you. You talk about how violent he is, but he's he is he has been pretty con- inconsistent in terms of just every down to down. You know, staying on his feet you know, uh, being a solid player, there's going to be some times where a guy, you know, a veteran like Malik Jackson might give him the business and, uh, you know, make him look a little silly in his first start as well. So and then Creed Humphrey, I think, has, has been a solid center. But, you know, he's still a rookie. I do think there there's, is some concerns for sure about this Browns offensive line against the right side of the Chiefs defense or, you know, offensive line as well. Yeah, I I, I could see for sure some uh, some troubles on that side. And like I said, if, if I'm the Browns, I'm putting Garrett over neang most of the time. I know Orlando Brown does have some some room to go as a pass blocker I don't think that's his best uh, as- aspect I think he's a better run blocker but you know he's, he still has stands a better chance than Niang does against Garrett so if, if the Browns put Garrett on Niang all game that's that's gonna there's gonna be some some times where that looks really bad on the Chiefs offense so I think that's the biggest thing right now is 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 just Miles Garrett and and some of those interior defensive line against these rookie uh, rookie linemen Garrett's, of course, always going to be the
0: highlight when you talk about the Browns' defense. He's obviously a a special player, and so I think you're right as far as the matchup. And and Malik Jackson, that's an interesting guy to bring up, too. uh, A guy that, you know, Browns fans, I think, are really excited uh, to fill the shoes of Sheldon Richardson, but also a guy we haven't seen a ton of in terms of the preseason and making tons of impact so far. But that's because, you know, obviously, as a veteran, kind of waiting for the regular season on, on that front. The guy I would actually circle... Is, on that defensive line is Jadavion Clowney. I am fascinated to see what he brings to the table for this Browns unit because, as you mentioned, I don't think there's going to be a lot of times where Garrett's getting a, a one-on-one matchup. That's yeah. just my hunch, and and we've seen that play out over the last couple of years. You know, last year I think he was third in a league in terms of double teams that he saw, so right up there at the very top of the league. And so I think the guy that's going to get a lot of, of those one-on-one matchups as Clowney, and Clowney's been productive at times uh, in the last couple of years of his career, but he's also had games where he's disappeared. And if the Browns are going to beat the Chiefs, I, I this is you know not in. Groundbreaking analysis by any means, but it has to be through the pressure, right? Because if Mahomes is allowed to sit back there, he's going to dice up every secondary in the league, and not to mention the fact that the, the Browns, as we'll get to, are breaking in a lot of new defensive starters back there. So, to me, the the way they stop these guys is to get pressure on Mahomes, and even in the limited times they really didn't stop the Chiefs very much at all in uh, the the last matchup when, when Mahomes was on the field, but when they did it was that pressure on the quarterback. So to me that that's going to be the ultimate matchup if the browns are going to have any success on that side of the football.
1: Yes, and and we've seen it with Mahomes. When he doesn't trust his offensive line or he starts to feel that pressure, he that is the one place where where he's he struggled with pocket presence at times where he tries to escape out of the back of the pocket, uh you know, maybe even when the pocket's not as messy as, as it needs to be for him to escape. Uh, you know, I think sometimes he he just gets a little hesitant uh, with his offensive line, especially when it's banged up like it has been in the past. And I think he's still, you know, we, we, he's, this is his first game with this offensive line. He's obviously played in the preseason, but I think that's part of it too. I think he's just more, he just needs to be more comfortable with the offensive line at times for him to really feel good about stepping up into the pocket and, and, and staying in there, staying tight in there. Yeah. Yeah. If they start getting a little pressure a little, penetrating the pocket quite a bit, that's when Mahomes kind of starts getting happy feet, thinking he can he can make plays with his feet and you know kind of scramble around and do whatever he can. The thing is, you know that that works a lot when you are Mahomes because not every quarterback can do what he can when he's on the move and everything. But it's still not the most efficient way to play football. And when you have a talented defense like the Browns does, you want to stay within the offense as much as you can and don't try to make those kind of plays when you don't have to. So yeah, that, I, I'm totally with you. If the Browns start penetrating the pocket. It might mess with Mahomes' pocket presence his, is kind of just what he thinks about the pocket and his comfortability in there. And that's when the offense can get out of rhythm and Mahomes might try to do too much. And yeah, sometimes that's going to end up uh, you know, not good for the Chiefs. We've seen it. And and it, we saw it this preseason too, actually. I will say the, the Cardinals game, it was a week two game. We kind of saw some some iffy pocket presence by him. It improved in week three, but I still think there's that chance that if the pocket really doesn't feel good to him or there's penetration coming, it's going to really affect his game and and he's going to make plays with his feet, which, like I said, he can, but it's not ideal in this situation. You definitely want to try to stay within the rhythm of the offense.
0: That was actually a, a bet I made in the Browns Chiefs game last year was Mahomes rushing yards because he did make a lot of plays with his feet uh, at, at times during the season last year. But let's take the opposite approach, Ron. What gives you confidence about this Chiefs offense, you know, besides the obvious, going against this Browns defense? Because, look, for the most part, obviously, this has been a successful offense. And if you look last year, as I as I've brought up before, it wasn't as though the Browns had a lot of answers. Basically, the, the Chiefs scored on every drive except for a missed field goal when Mahomes was in the game. So what gives you confidence uh, about the Chiefs offense going into week one?
1: Yeah, the thing is, we've seen this Chiefs team in September. They're they're unbeatable, actually, in terms of Mahomes' career. They haven't lost a game in September. They've been four and and0 the past uh, three or four seasons, if not maybe even a fifth season, if I'm remembering correctly. They come out of the gates hot. They always do. Andy Reid knows how to game plan. He's got these games planned up all off season, and and they know what they're doing. They know what they're attacking, and and that's the one thing. When I mentioned the offensive line, the the you know maybe the scares there. Andy Reed's going to protect them. He knows how to call his plays to where, you know, he's not going to put them out to dry. He's not going to go a bunch of seven step drops with no help, you know, and, and, and letting those, the pass rushers get plenty of time to get back there. He's going to do a lot of play calls where, you know, maybe quick passes or just RPOs where, you know, they're kind of putting the defense in a bind and, and that's, that's, I trust Andy Reed to definitely, you know, keep his offensive line, you know, kind of safe and, and, you know, uh, secure from, from having to deal with those one-on-ones. So that's that's the one thing I think Andy Reese just gonna have a great game plan. I do think these receivers, the Chiefs receivers, you know, against the Cleveland uh, secondary, Cleveland's got a pretty talented secondary, but Tyre Kill and Travis Kelsey still look as good as ever. Tyre Kill has actually looked uh, you know, spectacular this preseason. I know it's you know just offseason, preseason, but him and Mahomes have been, you know, uh, just so on the money, so on on the same page, you know, in training camp and preseason. I, I do think Tyre Kill's poised for a really big year and it's gonna start in week one. But I yeah, I think that I think that's where my confidence is for sure. Is, is this Chiefs passing game with Andy Reid calling the plays still is going to have a lot of explosive plays even if the offensive line does struggle a little bit with dealing with that pass rush. I think Andy Reid's going to set him up to not have to, you know, be in, in be in bad positions too much.
0: Hill gave the Browns fits last year, there's no doubt. I think he had 110 receiving yards in, in that game against the Browns last season. I do think the Browns ha- have made some Pretty significant additions back there that are going to help them uh, against Tyreek Hill. You know, they John Johnson will be back there. I think one of the best cover safeties in the league that, that will hopefully make a difference in as well as their overall depth. So hopefully they won't have to rely so much on, on some DBs that frankly, I don't think belonged on the field against the chiefs, but were forced into action due to some of the Browns injuries and just overall depth concerns in the back half of the defense. So I will say that is the one part where uh, if, the Browns, I think, can change from the matchup the most last season is I do think they've got some answers for Tyreek Hill. I'm not sure how many answers they have for Travis Kelsey. I'm not sure how many answers they might have for the passing game uh, out of the backfield, which also gave them issues at times last year. But I do think that secondary – that's where I see uh, some potential for the Browns uh, to make this closer than people think is I do think they're going to have some guys that are ready to hang back there with John Johnson and then with Greg Newsom, the rookie, too.
1: Yeah, and I saw that Greg Newsom won the starting job. it looks like. So good for him, did, first round cornerback. Um, yeah, I have a little stat actually that I, that I th- found interesting uh, doing a little research for this game preview. Six out of the seven top defensive brown snap getters from that game are not on the team this year. So that, so that's that's a big chunk of your you know the, a big part of that defense isn't even there anymore. And I think everyone kind of recognizes that you know as, as much as the Browns offense has a lot of continuity, The Browns defense is a whole different story all of a sudden, you know, obviously they're good players are still there. But then they added a lot of nice pieces too, including, like you mentioned, John Johnson. I do think he'll make a difference um, from what they had last year. Yeah. And and the other part as a Chiefs fan, uh, you know, we're we all are all acknowledging that, you know, it's Tyreek Travis. And then it's really a bunch of it's a kind of a receiver by committee after that and not in a good Mm -hmm. way there's no reason to be super confident in the talent they have behind Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey right now. We've all been hoping for McCole Hardman to take that step and he still could in his third season. There's no doubt about it, but so far this training camp and preseason, there hasn't been enough or a lot to give us confidence that it'll happen this year. We've already seen a lot of miscommunication between them uh, specifically in the preseason week two game against the Cardinals. There's about three instances where after the play, the camera cuts to Mahomes, and he's pretty upset with McCall after an incompletion. And that's actually happened quite a bit over his first two years of his career. And it's something that we need to see corrected. And it just, that preseason game just makes me think, ah, you know, maybe it hasn't been corrected yet. And I know it's still preseason, so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, you know, guys like DeMarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle are are solid receivers, but they're not world beaters. They're not guys that are going to, you know, uh, break off a guy in a route or anything. They're just guys that'll make a a catch when they have to. But yeah, if, if the Browns are able to limit Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill to an extent, there is reason to be, you know, uh, pessimistic about the rest of the Chiefs' receiving core uh, going against this Browns' defense. I know Clyde edwards Hilaire will be a bigger part of the passing game this year, but you know, in terms of the other receivers, the other, you know, wide receivers and tight ends, you know, there's there's not a lot of confidence in the guys behind Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Kill right now.
0: Yeah, I I do think that is an area of concern with the Chiefs with, with no more Watkins there. I do, however think that that Travis Kelsey is still going to have his way with these Browns uh, linebackers. You mentioned a lot of the top snap getters from the Browns are not back this season, and that is true. However, the Browns didn't make a ton of changes to the linebacking core, at least as far as the starters for this game. Jeremiah Wusakormoa was their second round draft pick. A lot of people expect him to see the field, but right now he's listed, you know, uh, secondarily on, on the depth chart. So, I, I don't love the matchups there., uh, you know, if, if they are gonna have linebackers matched up with Kelsey in space at all, or, as you mentioned, Clyde Edwards Alaire. I am still a believer in him. And I think for as much as people are saying, hey, the the reason this chief's offense might take a step back would be that second receiver. I think the reason they still take a step forward is twofold. Number one, the offensive line, which we've already talked about. But number two, is is Clyde Edwards a layer too I mean he banged up with injuries last year he got a ton of hype in the fantasy space as well which I always think like hurts rookies if they don't quite live up to it but I'm still a believer in in his ability to perform and I would say as a Browns fan too that is the area where I think he could really burn the Browns in addition to Kelsey
1: yeah and Clyde didn't play in that playoff game last year he was injured he was still coming back from that week 15 injury he suffered and yeah he's fully healthy now I do think last year we didn't see enough of him as a receiver. And, and I think, you know, a big reason was just the fact that there was a COVID offseason. There just wasn't time for him to get adjusted as a rookie, you know, getting into Andy Reid's offense, which is a very complicated system. And we hear it all the time that it takes a while for players to get fully into that offense and really understand it. And so, yeah, I do think I do think he's going to be a way bigger part of the offensive receiving game this year. I think we're going to see a lot more screens this year. You know, last year, the Chiefs actually ran, you know, fewer screens than, than a typical Andy Reid team by a lot. And it was actually, you know, it, statistically, it was very, uh, you know, a very big margin from, you know, what we typically see from an Andy Reid team and, and uh, you know, last year's team. We just didn't see a lot of screens. And I think it was just because they didn't trust the offensive line. But I think they will trust the offensive line enough this year to, to utilize those screens a lot more this year. Clyde is really good, you know, in, in open field with the ball in his hands. He's hard to tackle yeah, I do think you're, you're, that's a good point. And I do think if they focus so much on Travis and Tyreek, that will give Clyde a lot of opportunities to, to, you know, uh, make hay in the the receiving game. And yeah, I think he could, he could definitely be a big part of the offense uh, right away. Yeah. I, I, I think the passing game will, will be a lot more focused on Clyde this year than it has, than it was last year. And, and that was why a part, big reason why they picked him in the first round was how good of a receiver he was coming out of LSU. That was, that was a big reason why. And so, I, I do think we see that uh, uptick a lot this year where we see Clyde getting the ball uh, through the passing game a lot more. And
0: the Browns were right at the bottom of the league in terms of covering running backs out of the backfield last season. I have an image seared into my mind that you're right that he didn't play, but Daryl Williams played and he got in space against BJ Goodson, who's no longer with the Browns. The Uh, first down before the one that the chiefs got on fourth down to seal the game. There was another play where Goodson was in space. He got beat for, for the first down before that. And that's a play that probably not a lot of fans or analysts will remember, but it's one that stuck out to me where it's just like, man, he just, PJ Goodson just couldn't get out there to cover him. So that problem won't necessarily exist, but I do think the running back problem will persist for the Browns this season. Ron, yeah. let's flip to the other side of uh, the football. Uh, I, I want to get into some of your takes uh, about this Chiefs defense as well and how they match up with the Browns offense. But before we get to that, I first got to ask kind of the latest for our listeners who may not be following the Chiefs situation as closely in terms of availability for a few key Chiefs players. The, the first one is Frank Clark. For those who haven't seen or perhaps have forgotten, in March Clark got into a bit of legal trouble, where he's facing a felony charge of possession of an assault weapon. But it seems like the NFL has not placed him on the commissioner's exempt list. So, number one is Clark going to be available for Week One?
1: Yeah, he he should be. He's he's actually the 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 thing that might hold hold him out is his this hamstring injury he's been dealing with in the preseason. Uh, you know, he, he's actually been a limited participant in the first practice, official practice of the week. But, yeah, you know, it, it is it is weird. Uh, you know, we kind of all thought that maybe something would go down, maybe he'd miss the first few games. But it sure seems like that legal action is is kind of pushed off to the side for now. Maybe it's just, you know, the 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 hearings or whatever haven't happened yet. And so we've kind of all come to the conclusion that we may not see a suspension for Clark until later in the season, if not next year. You know how these courts sometimes go. Sometimes it gets so delayed. You don't really get a a verdict or anything. And maybe the NFL is just waiting on all that. So, yeah, I I don't think Clark's availability will, uh, you know, be impacted by that necessarily. But he is dealing with a hamstring issue that held him out of all three preseason games. You know, obviously precautionary a little bit, but it's still messing with him enough to be a limited participant in this week's practice. So that is that is one area where, you know, if if, if Clark's not 100 percent, that's that's going to be trouble for the Chiefs defense for sure.
0: Well, and another key player for the Chiefs, too, is Tyron Matthew, of course, the Honey Badger. And he's on the COVID list still. It, it seems like he's going to, you know, likely to clear in, in time for this game. I think Andy Reid mentioned in a press conference he's already got one negative test, but he's still not on the field either. Ron, to the best of your knowledge, do you see any limitations uh, for Matthew, even if he is cleared, you know, with the conditioning or anything else like that?
1: Well, yeah, that's always a concern. Right. I, I think that's that's and I think you guys know that, especially I think last year, uh, if I remember correctly, Miles Garrett was on a tear at the beginning of the year, uh, had a covid scare, I believe, missed a few games because of it. And then he just didn't seem to be as dominant uh, maybe when he when he came back. And if I remember correctly, there were some some speculation or maybe just reports that, you know, that that did impact him, uh, you know, in terms of conditioning, and all that. So, yeah, that's always a concern. Uh, You know, it is a little concerning. He's still not off the list by now. Uh, You know, that means he's he's had some positive tests, you know, after he was, uh, you know, said he was positive. I think it was, uh, you know, early last week. So it's it's been a week where apparently he's had some positive tests. So that means he's he's been dealing with it. And yeah, it's definitely a concern for sure. Uh, You know, I'm Andy Reid made it sound like he'll be back. And and and, you know, Tyron's the kind of guy you probably he probably doesn't need practice necessarily. But yeah, the conditioning part is is definitely a thing that, I, you know, there's reason to be concerned about it. And if there is for some reason he doesn't make it, that is a huge blow to the defense. And it's going to really open up the chief secondary to be exposed, honestly.
0: Yeah. Uh, for, uh, a reminder for the folks listening out there, uh, Matthew is vaccinated. So it sounds like he'll have to produce two negative tests uh, 24 hours apart in, in order to be cleared. So still plenty of time for that to happen uh, ahead of Sunday. But as you mentioned, obviously, a, a massive, massive factor on the, the defensive side of the fo- football for the Chiefs. So let's, let's talk about uh, that side of the football a little bit more. The Chiefs defense for the last couple of years, it's been a lot of, hey, they have to be good enough. And they were in order to get to the Super Bowl last year, they've got uh, some some high-level talent, not only with Clark and Matthew, but also, of course, with Chris Jones. But what's different about this Chiefs defense from last season uh, when the Browns last faced the Chiefs?
1: Well, yeah, there is a pretty big difference uh, to me, and that is the defensive line. There, you know, it's a lot of the same faces. Uh, you know, Chris Jones, obviously, is, is, is the best player on the unit, but they actually have him playing uh, defensive end on on early downs now and and it seems like it's just going to be early downs it seems on third down he's still going to be inside you know where he's he's made his money as a as an elite pass rusher from the interior but i think that there is that it is an interesting wrinkle to have him on the outside he's so much bigger and and more explosive or or not maybe explosive but just lengthier than than most defensive ends in the nfl and i do think that's going to give some offensive tackle some problems trying to deal with his length with his size. I mean, he's over 300 pounds and you don't see a lot of defensive ends at that size that can, that can move like he does. So I do think that's going to be an interesting wrinkle to the chiefs defense, but also the addition of Jaron Reed, the former Seattle Seahawk. I think he's going to be a, he's going to have a big role on this team. And, and his addition was actually a lot of the reason why Jones was able to move to the outside in more of a full-time capacity. Uh, you know, uh, we've, they've had him at defensive end a few, you know, here and there in in the past, but he's been practicing at defensive end. They list him as a defensive end. I mean, He is mainly defensive end now, and and Jaron Reed, uh, you know, on the interior, is gonna. he's been a good pass rusher in this league from there. And and besides Reed on the interior, I actually think Tershawn Wharton, who was an undrafted free agent last year, was one of the most effective pass rushers in terms of pass rush win rate on the team last year, and you can see it, man. He is is very quick. He is very hard to deal with. I do think an an offensive line like the Browns is going to have a little uh, easier time dealing with him than maybe other offensive lines, other guards. But yeah, I, I think the Chiefs defensive line is, is something that has really improved and, and is kind of going under the radar. And, and it's just because of, a, of an addition like Jaron Reed, but also the improvement of guys like Tershawn Wharton. Like I said, was a rookie last year and looked really good. And he's looking even better this year. Also defensive end, Mike Dana was a rookie last year, played really good snaps, and is on pace to have a bigger role this year. I think the Chiefs defensive line is going to be a lot stronger than it was last year. And I know that's, you know, it, it's almost a counterintuitive to say that when they're going against such a good offensive line in the Browns, but I I do think it'll help, uh, you know, the linebackers right now who I can get into uh, they're, they're missing one of their, their best linebacker, potentially Willie Gay. He, he actually went on the IR with a turf toe injury. And so I I think the defensive line is going to really have to step up and help their linebackers, not, you know, get in too many bad situations against a really effective Browns run run offense.
0: Do you suspect that, that, Difference in the defensive line will result in a, a potentially some schematic differences from Steve Spagnuolo. He is known as a guy that blitzes a ton. I think the Chiefs were, were fifth last year in terms of blitz rate, uh, fourth the year before, if I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head here, and they blitz the Browns quite a bit. That's something that I saw is a key, you know, factor coming into this game. But do you think potentially he'll he'll dial it back a bit if the defensive line is more of the strength and it might, you know, the the linebackers and secondary might require more bodies in order to be successful?
1: Yeah, I know. It's a good point. And, And Spags does love the blitz. And I think we'll still see a lot of that. I think one guy that they used in that Browns game last year that they'll continue to use as a blitzer from the second level is LeJarius Sneed from the slot corner man, he, he plays almost like an outside linebacker at times the way he, he's strong, you know, he's really strong against blocks. He's really strong against the run and he gets in there as a blitzer and, and really, you know, he doesn't miss a lot of opportunities when he gets in there, he he finishes the tackle a lot and, and he's going into his second year. He's only going to get better, but yeah, I, I do think one, one factor in them maybe not doing as many blitzes as as we've seen in the past is like I mentioned with Willie Gay, Willie Gay is a guy that is going to be a very effective blitzer when he's healthy because he's so fast, because he's so explosive and kind of a hard-nosed kind of guy coming downhill. If he's not playing, you know, it kind of limits what they can do blitzing from linebackers because they're not going to be sending guys like Ben Neiman and Anthony Hitchens on blitzes a lot. The rookie Nick Bolton could probably be a good blitzer as well, but he's a rookie and he's playing in his first game. And I do think there's going to be some some uh, you know rookie struggles with him for sure. I think he's a good run defender, but in terms of everything else, I think you know I, we've we've already seen a little bit of. You know, some some just some, you know, little lapses of the, as a rookie in the preseason that, you know, may suggest that he's not necessarily ready to be a full time starter right away. And so, yeah, I, I really think they're going to have to rely on the defensive line to get pressure in this game. And if they can't, they'll start blitzing. But I, I think that's really going to you know help the Browns offense to, to blitz more because this offensive line that, that you guys have has the ability to pick up blitz as well and has the ability to stifle defensive linemen well. To where if you do send a blitz and it doesn't get home, it is going to create a lot of open holes in the secondary for guys like Odell and Jarvis Landry to to find uh, places to make catches and and make big plays. So, yeah, I I think that's the Willie Gay injury is really going to impact this defense right away. I, I really think it will. To me, that is the key matchup from this game
0: is when the Chiefs blitz. Are the Browns able to deal with it? Because that was the biggest improvement that Baker Mayfield made as a quarterback last season. If you look through the first six weeks, he was one of, if not the worst, quarterback uh, against the Blitz. He ranked 35th, according to PFF. He was first the rest of the season. So that was a massive adjustment. He was first. In PFF's passing grade against the Blitz, he led in adjusting, com, adjusted completion percentage against the Blitz after those first six weeks. So to me, that's the the big push and pull from this game is can Baker in that offensive line hold up if the Chiefs do start to bring extra guys. But you brought up uh, Snead in, in as part of that secondary what do you make of the, some of the changes the Chiefs have made in the back end as well, especially at the at the corner positions?
1: Yeah, they brought in two former first-round picks that they're really hoping can kind of re- rehabilitate their, their career here in Kansas City, and Mike Hughes and DeAndre Baker. Now, initially it looks like Mike Hughes has won that third cornerback spot in nickel situations. When they're in base, it's still Ward and Snead on the outside, but Snead's going to be moved to the inside and, and play that slot position where he really excelled last year as a rookie. And Hughes is going to be on the outside now. And, and, and the cornerback, the Chiefs have gotten away with, with, you know, subpar cornerback play in in their last two years. They, they kind of always, and it's kind of a complaint around here is, is they never want to invest heavy in the, in the, the secondary in terms of the cornerbacks. Now, you know, with safety, obviously it's a different story, but Traverius Ward is, is a solid player, but no one special. And, and, and he, he, you know, he's not solidified to be a long-term starter here. You know, he's in his free agent year right now. So we'll see how that goes. I, I think Mike Hughes has is, is played well, but we've seen him struggle in, in his early NFL career at times. He's made plays too, but I, I think the cornerback spot is always something they've kind of gotten away with because they can hide it by playing really well uh, at the safety position behind them, kind of covering them up with guys like Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill when he's healthy. Uh, yeah, I, I think, the, if but if Tyron Matthew is not playing this game or isn't at 100%, maybe, I think that exposes the cornerbacks a little more. And yeah, I, I think we'll see we'll see some struggles maybe like with if Odell's healthy, man. I I, I don't know who's going to cover him very well, honestly. It, it's definitely not going to be Ward. Ward is a guy that likes to get his hands on people and uses his length and physicality to kind of you know uh, maybe shut him down a little bit to an extent. Odell's not the kind of guy that you can just put your hands on because if you get, if he gets past you and he's and he's uh, you know and he's full healthy, obviously he's a he's a fast, quick guy that's really going to put you on skates and stuff. And and Ward doesn't deal good with a uh, quick fast guys like that so yeah I, this cornerback group is always they've always gotten away with not playing you know not having great guys uh, at that position but they've gotten away with it but and, and with a with the receiving core like the Browns with two guys that are super quick guys that can really you know break off a route on you and, and, and kind of leave you in the dust real quick and Jarvis Landry and Odell that's kind of where this uh, this cornerback group can struggle Snead is Snead is good at covering those kind of things but he's only one cornerback and, and I think opposing offenses this year are going to understand to attack the other guys besides Snead on the, in the secondary. Well, I think that's
0: a million dollar question in terms of this side of the ball is if the, if you're a Browns optimist, you've got Odell Beckham jr. This year, you didn't have him in the playoff matchup last year. And there are plenty of plays that, that people who rewatch the game will point to and say, look, the chiefs were not respecting the Browns uh, down the field. They, the safeties came up, They got involved in the short and intermediate passing game. They got involved in the run game. They did not fear the Browns receivers beating what most people would say were subpar corners throughout the season last year. And despite that, the the safeties from the Chiefs were not forced, you know, really to provide tons of extra help that that people would have expected. So to me, that's the key matchup. If the Browns are going to have more success than they did last season against this Chiefs defense, number one – The players around Baker have to play a little better. There were some key drops from Nick Chubb and and some of the other guys on the Browns roster. But number two is Odell Beckham Jr. Can he come out firing off the torn ACL and cause the Chiefs to change the game plan that worked so well in the matchup last year?
1: Yeah, and I know Landry plays a lot in the slot, so I think we'll see Snead and Landry match up quite a bit. But that leaves Odell against the rest of the guys. And and that is a point of concern for sure, like I mentioned with Ward and and even a guy like Mike Hughes, who is kind of a physical player in his own right, uh, even though he may be a a little smaller stature. But he's not a guy that's going to be able to keep up really well with with quicker, you know, more, you know, route running, you know, good route runners like Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah, no, that that is that is the million dollar question for sure. And it would have helped to have I, I mentioned him a few times now, but. Willie Gay, man, I, I he he was supposed to be the team's best coverage linebacker this year. He made tons of plays in training camp, picked off Mahomes a couple times. He's looked really good. He's looked like the team's best linebacker, and not having him is going to be a real big deal. Especially because when they do get in those dime personnel looks with one linebacker on the field, it's Ben Neiman who who if, that name in Chiefs Kingdom is not a not a fun name to say around here or someone we like to talk about because as much as the chiefs have had success with him as the dime linebacker the past couple of years, he himself has kind of been a liability at times. The dime defense at times is, is really where the defense is at its weakest when it's in that personnel. And, and if, if the, if the Browns are going to be passing, you know uh, it, it's, and they do force the chiefs into dime personnel, that's where they could really take advantage of a guy like Neiman uh, in, in the, in the secondary, as well as like a Dan Sorensen who, is trusted to cover tight ends a lot. And I know the Browns don't have world beaters at tight ends maybe, but they have a lot of, they have a few good ones and, and guys that could definitely take advantage of Sorensen in a matchup. Yeah. I, I think, I think the pass coverage will definitely be important on Sunday. And it's something that, that the chiefs without Willie Gay, without Tyron Matthew at hundred percent, or we'll see, hopefully he is back and everything. It is going to be a struggle for them. They're really gonna have to rely on the front seven, the front four to get some pressure on Baker and kind of limit how open uh, windows he has to throw.
0: I think Sorensen is uh, number one in terms of persona non grata in Cleveland. After that, Rashard Higgins, Sorensen, a uh, collision at the goal line last season. But that will he will be tested in this game too because not only do the Browns have some decent tight ends in Njoku and Hooper, they use them a lot. They uh, Kevin Stefanski loves twelve personnel. There's no doubt that that is his bread and butter. The Browns love to run play action out of 12 personnel, get the tight ends involved in that game as well. So I think that will be a key test for the Chiefs too. So Ron, we've looked at the offensive side of the ball for the Chiefs and the defensive side of the ball for the Browns. We've done the flip side of that, but taking a step back, big picture here. How are you feeling about the Chiefs' chances in this game and – uh, against you know a Browns team that that gave him a scare last year, but but with some some injury caveats, of course, to Mahomes.
1: Yeah, I, I default to, I, and I mentioned it a little earlier, but I, this Chiefs team under Andy Reid and especially with Patrick Mahomes, they just seem to come out of the gate in in the beginning of the season and, and really just be look so comfortable. And I think that's props to the coaching staff and training camp. They really get them ready. They they you hear it with new players every single season that when they come in, Jaron Reed was the guy this year. They always are like, man, these training camps are way more different than they've ever had in their NFL careers. I I do think there's something to that, and I do think that's why they come out so hot all the time. And and actually, you know, I I know, you know, it's only preseason, but I I do think that Week Three performance they put up against the Vikings, who who didn't play all their starters, but they looked really in rhythm that last those last they they played the first two drives of that game and and got out. So I think this offense is going to be ready to go. I think the defense with the injuries might have have some struggles a little bit especially against a really you know the the Browns offense uh, you know Stefanski should get a lot of credit too for how well he game plans as well and and, and they're going to be putting a lot of positions too so I think it might be you know more of a shootout than anything uh you know more of a you know a high scoring battle uh you know with with Andy Reid and and Kevin Stefanski both running the offense as well so I feel good about it I do think it's going to be a close high scoring game but I I do feel good that the Chiefs will pull it out especially because when you factor in you know, a full crowd Arrowhead stadium, you know, uh, the first time they have a full crowd in a while, you know, the, the players have already talked about it. You know, it's going to be an exciting time and and home field advantage is definitely back. And I do think it's something important to kind of figure in, especially the first week of the season, you know, having that home field advantage for sure.
0: The history aspect of it is hard to get over, right? I think Andy Reid is 18 and two in September as the chiefs coach and Patrick Mahomes is undefeated at 10 and zero, and then, on the flip side of things, the Browns are the complete opposite in openers. They have won a whopping one season opener since returning in 1999. So that part does not play in the Browns' favor either. It's been quite a while, too, since that one occurred. So I think we're up to uh, 20 straight losses. Uh, yeah, uh, maybe 19. Uh, it's uh, it's not great. I try not to remind myself of that stat too much, which is why I didn't put it in the rundown. But the, the, the Browns' history is definitely not in their favor either. I do think that the Browns ha- have made improvements from last season that will help them against the Chiefs in the long run, but I, it's tough, right? You've got two kind of competing factors. On the one hand, I think the big improvement the Chiefs made is to that offensive line, which they have played in preseason, so I think they're going to get a slight advantage over the Browns' defensive secondary improvements when those guys haven't really played together, a lot in preseason so far. I was fine with the Browns not playing a lot of their guys in preseason to avoid the injury concerns, but I do think in a week one matchup that could hurt them slightly. uh, And I think they're already the underdog. I actually bet on the Chiefs uh, minus four and a half uh, about five months ago or so now when the line came out uh, because of that Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes history. And because I knew how many defensive starters we're going to be changing for the Browns. I actually thought even more were going to change because I thought more of the linebackers would change than that they have. So the line is now up to six and a half. The over-under, as you mentioned, is also quite high. It's 54 and a half, the highest of the weekend. Uh, I don't, So you mentioned you feel good about the Chiefs winning. Do you feel good about the Chiefs covering? And uh, how about that over-under?
1: So, definitely over. I think you got to hammer the over there. I, I really do think uh, both offenses are going to have pretty good days. Uh, you know, I think both defenses will have, like, like, just to say, I think the Browns defense will have times where, they, like I mentioned earlier, they, they'll take advantage of the rookie linemen that they'll be facing. But I think Andy Reid overpowers that and, and has a better game plan. So, over, it's definitely going to hit over. I'm not confident, though, in, in the Chiefs covering the spread. I, I actually predicted a four point victory, uh, you know, on, on our podcast earlier this week. And I and I think that's going to be what it's about. I, I think Chiefs Browns. I, I I do think it's going to be a close game. Um, I I think it'll come down to the wire a little bit. Uh, I just think that that Arrowhead uh, Stadium factor is going to factor in a little bit. Uh, you know, in terms of winning the game. But yeah, no, I, I think the Browns will stick around. I actually have them finishing as the two seed this year in the AFC behind the Chiefs. I'm high on the Browns for sure. I just really think if if there was any if it was any other time in the season. I think the Browns have a lot better chance, uh, you know, maybe, you know, it, midway through the season, maybe the Browns, their starters are a lot, you know, their new starters are a lot more cohesive, know each other a little better. You know, they get more into a rhythm. And I think if, if that was the case, I, you know, I think it'd be, you know, more of a toss up, but I just can't imagine the chiefs not winning this game. Uh, I, I, I gotta, I gotta imagine the chiefs pull it out in their home opener. And, but yeah, I, I really think the Browns are going to be a, a team to, to deal with this year. I think they're going to be this year's bills where they just go on a tear and, and really do, you know, tear through the AFC besides the Chiefs. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm high on the Browns. I think this is going to be one of the best games of the year.
0: Well, that was going to be my last question was where do you have the Browns in the pecking order? You said you, you have them as the two seeds. So do you see this as a preview of the AFC championship in you know several months time?
1: It absolutely could be. It absolutely could be. You know, I, you hope as a, as a Browns fan, probably, that you could maybe edge out the Chiefs and get that home field advantage so you could have it in your backyard instead of an arrowhead. But yeah, I, I think the AFC is going to be tough this year. But I think there's always a team that, that you know, uh, comes out and, and really, you know, excels like the Bills did last year. And I think it's going to be the Browns. I think the Bills are actually going to drop off a little bit. I actually think the Patriots might challenge them for the AFC East Crown. I don't think the Bills improved a lot over the offseason. And so I think – and then on the flip side, we've, as we've talked about, I think the Browns have. I think they've added a lot. And even if it doesn't show up, you know, in, in the best way it can right out of the gate in week one, I think the Browns will get into a zone where they're just winning a lot of games, you know, maybe 12, 13 games. And they're going to be a, a team to deal with for sure. And, and I definitely see them, you know, making a, a serious playoff run this year. And, yeah, it, you know, if it all goes good, it will be Chiefs-Browns in the AFC Championship. Uh, you know, it, it, we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, I, I definitely think the Browns will win the AFC North this year. And, and be at one of the top C's in the AFC. Well,
0: on that note, I think we have to wrap things up. I think Browns fans are certainly going to like the, to hear that. And Ron, if that does happen, we'll have to have you back on the podcast to preview that game, of course, too. But thank you so much, first of all, for coming on the show, for being a guest today. And before we sign off, let everybody know where they can follow your work on the chiefs because I'm sure Browns fans will want to be keeping a close eye on all that throughout the season.
1: Absolutely. No, I really appreciate you having me on, uh, on Twitter. I'm at Ron underscore cop K O P P right for errorhead pride.com. We got tons of stuff going on all the time. I'll actually have a, uh, you know, a perspective from our side on you guys coming out uh, tomorrow. Uh, well, I guess you probably, it'll probably be out by the time this is out, but an opponent scout, I'm going to do that every week, uh, you know, with the upcoming opponent. And a scout who were playing kind of see, you know, where they could take advantage of the Chiefs, where the Chiefs might have an edge over them. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm there at arrowheadpride.com. Check it out. And, yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. Well, I'll
0: have to check out that, that
1: opponent scout and see what
0: you make of all the specific matchups. All right. That will do it for this episode of the podcast. Browns fans This will be the last episode on this feed before the game. We'll be coming with a reaction podcast immediately after the game, after everything shakes out between the Browns and the Chiefs in this rematch from the playoffs last season. So I know I've been a little bit down on the Browns' chances throughout this podcast and throughout the offseason. But for those Browns fans listening out there, I'm just going to end the podcast with two words. Go Browns!